Well, man, I'm so thrilled that we are doing this, man. I've, I've been thinking about asking you this for a long time and I just never got around to it. Well, you're a very busy man. You have um, what I I hear people call, what is it? Uh, oh, a job? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> or a, a job. life? Yeah, I just, I, those words, they get mixed up. Um, no, we're yeah. both busy um, uh, old farts, but this is, you know, it's great. Whether it's recorded or not, uh, awesome to see and hear from you, my friend. Because yeah. it's been, I thought about it earlier today, over 30 years we've known each other. I, I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, should I not have? <laughs> no, no. I'm just. Some people are touchy about the numbers. I'm like... It's 30 no, years, people are like, it, shut up. <laughs> I mean, there's just no denying time and its passage. Uh, but I, it, no, I actually take great pride of that. Anyone I know, you know, longer than five years, I'm just impressed. <laughs> <laughs> that they stuck around? <laughs> that they stuck around, that I didn't piss them off to any great degree. Um, yeah. Well, you know, more than normal. But still, uh yeah, no, it's it's a source of great pride that I've known you for this long, and uh, I wish we weren't so far separated. And you hear that from our mutual friend Jerry all the time, too. Yeah, yeah. How awesome well, would it be to have you just, like, around? Likewise. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I would love to be there, and I do, I still, I, I t- totally intend to visit Portland. Uh, Why doesn't ASAP. your band come play up here? It's hard to get, I mean, going north, that far north, we've just never done, and that far west... I guess we've been well, we've been to California stuff. Going out that way, that direction is a lot more oh, of difficult course. and time consuming. Yeah, but, um, but I, we're going to do it. I know a place here in town that would love to have you, just because you'd be a natural fit. Which is Kell's Irish Pub, which is oh. uh, a pretty great live music venue. Not not huge. I mean, it's small ish, but as far as um, I think, there's probably a good Celtic music contingent up here that would love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is a great idea. A to catch up. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, I, <laughs> that made me really sad when I read your email, and you're like, I don't have any nerd friends. It's, I can't talk I about. <laughs> it's true. It's That's true. Okay. I mean, you find yeah. yourself in. Uh, when I was working at that bookstore, uh, Powell's here uh, in Portland is like huge. It's the world's biggest bookstore. And I enjoyed my time there. Management be damned. But uh, but I really did. But it's when you end up anywhere that out of necessity that you really start going, is there anyone here like me? <laughs> I mean, I had lots of work friends. But yeah, finding people on the same wavelength who like this thing or that thing. I mean, that's life is just trying to find your your community. And yeah. uh, you get lucky sometimes. And certainly at a bookstore, I ran into plenty of nerds, nerds that I didn't, you know, share. I mean, I'm not a gamer really much or I'm not much of a fantasy novel reader. In fact, I'm really not a huge fan of that. But I mean, there's plenty of comic nerds and writers and all kinds of theater folk. And it's it's fine. Um, so mm-hmm. I've I've been lucky. I, yeah. I've ended up with people around that get some of the stuff I do. And you, you took the road of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 you know, it's funny. Patrick and I, but Patrick Devlin, the uh, lead singer of Blackguards. Um, yeah, actually, we, you do have to <laughs> tell me which Patrick, because yeah, we know, know another Patrick. I'm yeah, like, we, what? What happened? We know another Patrick who's also a guitar player. Yeah, there you go. But Patrick and I will talk about music all day long. 
you know, yeah. recording, uh, songwriting, uh, you know, musicians that we admire and all that stuff. But yeah, when it comes to movies, it, anything that has to do with superheroes or Star Wars, that kind of stuff, he's like, <laughs> don't, you can't talk about it with him. He does love James Bond. He's very fond of James Bond, which is I which actually is cool. think there's a strange but, sort of um, crossover community with that because mm-hmm. it is interesting. I've I've ran into uh, two similar people where it'll be something along those lines which it bumps up against, and I'm like, great, I can talk Bond with you. I love Bond. Yeah, awesome. But you know, uh, you ever think about watching this Black Widow <laughs> movie? And it's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you've been shunned, uh, but I'm here <laughs> to welcome you into the community that we share. Yeah, yeah. But what I, I do know is that quite a bit of our fans uh, are into this stuff. Uh, oh. Blackguards fans are nerds. <laughs> Yay! So I, I have a feeling that they might enjoy this. I, I hope so. Anyway. I hope so. Uh, why don't we, I mean, I guess because it's a podcast of sorts, uh, because we're recording, introduce yourself. And then okay. uh, I'll do introduce myself, and we'll, we should talk about how we know each other. That's right. Look at me looking for structure. Oh. I know that's important. It's, I, I, and that's why I'm so thrilled that you you already have experience with this. Uh, ish, <laughs> yeah. Because you, you've been you've been guided by your friend John. John's insane. John is one of those guys, and he is definitely of our community. Uh, John's a cast member of the live show that I do, right. and he's in his 30s, early 30s. And that mm-hmm. guy was brought up on on uh, Nick at Night and TV Land. Like you can't stump him with a reference. He is so much <laughs> younger than us, but he knows shows that you know from our childhood. That I'm like, how do you know about Misfits of Science? How do you know about you know even how do you know about Mannix? You know, like stuff like that from the 70s. And the kid just knows the kid. Yeah. He's thirty something years old, but wow. um, but he is a deep nerd. He has so many podcasts. One's all about comics and um, pop culture related stuff. And I've guessed it on that one several times. He has. Uh, then he got the idea of doing one that was about the classic monsters because we both talked about we had the Universal Monster Collection Blu-ray box set. And yeah. I was like, oh, and then a great box set. He's like, yeah, why don't we do a podcast where we go through those, and then we keep tracking the classic, like Dracula, Frankenstein's Monster, Wolfman. And I was like, okay. And now we're up to the 90s. Literally, we've got like four or five seasons, uh, and we started wow. in the pandemic. We just do a movie a week. Oh, so okay, cool. Been doing that, and that's fun. And uh, and we just started doing one about Cole Shack the Night Stalker. Again, show from the seventies that this youngster is like, oh, I love Cole Shack. So yeah, which I remember you telling me about. You know, oh man, <laughs> it's I days. mean, no one could say it's a great show because it was of its time and and had no budget, but as influential, it's like the whole thing where they say it's like, yeah, not so many people. Uh, you know, bought the records of the Velvet Underground, but everyone that did formed a band that ended up being amazing. Just right. like, yes, Kolchak and Night Stalker. Not so many people watched it, but the people who did <laughs> ended up making, you know, X Files and everything else. It's influential. I love it. <clears throat> and I love the it. Velvet Underground of, of pop culture. They're, yes, Kolchak is the Velvet Underground of 70s yeah. TV. But anyway, so uh, done a few podcasts. But uh, first off, who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Chad Smalley. I'm the bass player. And backup singer in a band called Blaggards. Been doing this for 18 years now. That is and, so nuts. Uh, I know this guy, Brendan, from, as we mentioned, 
way several in decades the back ago. Years. Yeah. Um, through <clears throat> the other Patrick that we already mentioned, <laughs> Patrick yeah. White. You, whom, uh, you were a student at uh, HSPVA. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick was two years uh, behind me. He was, I think he graduated in 89. It's like yeah, two years 80- after I did. 89. Yeah. yeah. And I met him through working at the, the River Oaks movie theater. Right. Um, now for those, for those who don't know, HSBVA, uh, high school for the performing and visual arts in Houston, Texas, which is where we met. Uh, Chad, you're, uh, it's like I'm interviewing you, but, mm-hmm. uh, this is also, you are a Houston native, right? Yeah. No, I wasn't born here. I okay. was born in, born in Woodbury, New Jersey. Oh, Okay. Uh, but we moved to Houston when I was seven. So right, 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 right. Nineteen seventy-six. So oh boy, it was a long time ago, y'all. So yeah, I, I consider myself from Houston because I don't really. No, yeah, have I mean that's a huge chunk. <laughs> yeah. uh, we left uh, like I was born in Mississippi, uh, and we left when I was uh, just turning nine. And I do remember a lot of my childhood in Mississippi. And I say that's where I'm from because it is where I was born and then, you know, for a little bit. But we bounced around so much. I didn't get to Texas till uh, sixth grade. So I was uh, about to be 13 or was 13. So, um, yeah, I spent the longest amount of time of any of the places I lived in Houston. I just don't like to say I'm a Texan. Um, I mean, <clears throat> not not of any shame, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just go back to the origin. It's like, eh, mm-hmm. Mississippian, whatever. Um, and again, so much fortunate, awesome stuff came out of me living in Houston. I can't sit there and just go, you know, I can't be ashamed of that city. So many great people there. Um, and talk about finding your community. I think that's where... I got really lucky because I didn't go to PVA. Um, if it hadn't been for my brother who, cause we were out in the suburbs. If it hadn't been for my brother getting a job at river Oaks theater. Mm. It seems I've always followed my brother. Like he does the thing <laughs> first, then I do it. And that's okay. Um, yeah. It's not hero worship. Cause again, he's a punk, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, well, he laid groundwork. So he worked at river Oaks theater, which is downtown close to the Montrose area and close to where PVA was. So a lot of his coworkers were from the school. Then mm-hmm. I start going to the Revokes theater because it's cool because it's downtown and I'm coming in from Sugarland. Watch out. And then, and then I got a job <laughs> there at the theater. Um, and then through working at that one movie theater, I met people who've gone on to be incredibly successful in various fields brilliant creative people um and yes ended up forming my first band out of that with with friends from uh my high school out mm-hmm. in sugarland but our mutual friend patrick uh who went to pva and through that band that's how i got to meet you yeah and i will say this not to butter you up uh but we haven't talked in a long time you uh chad smalley Uh, I'm so happy that music is still a part of your life. Uh, I really hope you are still writing uh, your own stuff because I love your songwriting. Always. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. I I am getting slowly (laughs) moving back towards it. Patrick himself, Patrick Devlin has been trying to be, come on, do do your songs. He he knows the the thing that I, I recognized many years ago is that 
this is one of those things like with, with Zuzu's pedal, Zirban, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, you, um, Do we have to? That was you and Patrick. <laughs> yeah. You and Patrick White. Yeah. Were the songwriters for that band primarily. You know, obviously there was a lot of collaboration yeah, a lot of going collaboration. on. But that was, you know, in order to have a successful band, you kind of kind of recognize who the, the driving force is. Right. And we, we, we attempted this early on. Like I tried, I attempted to write songs for Patrick to sing. And this was before he'd really found his voice as a songwriter. Yeah. So I realized that somebody's, I just need to let him find his own way to what it, it is that he wants fit? to do. Is that kind of the thing? Is like, it's like, yeah, this is working, but you know, I've got my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there, I mean, there was, there was some stuff that I wrote early on. He was like, man, this is great. And, but when it came time to actually doing it, it just didn't feel right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So thankfully that was a long time ago. And now, our our latest album which i've got somewhere oh it's right here <laughs> by the Flag way Matic. awesome cover yeah yeah this is done by our friend vicente who's a wow spanish madman professional that designer is gorgeous yeah he's actually done work for guinness and a lot of other big brands i wouldn't so be he'd... surprised look at that no awesome congratulations on that it does do my heart glad to know you're still working on your stuff because i mean and i also understand the creative process being uh, it's, it can be driven. In other words, it can be something you force, but it really is this, it's a, it has its own whims. Mm -hmm. Like, um, my huge drive when I was younger to draw comics, uh, it's just, it's a quiet little thing. Like I, I, um, I still draw occasionally if I'm asked, uh, especially if there's a little bit of a paying gig, but it's just like, all right, shaking the rust off and then doing it. like, oh, God, this is, oh. And, but I just remember what it used to be like where that stuff just flowed. And for the writing, I haven't thought in terms of like screenwriting or playwriting in so long because I'm doing a whole other thing. Um, um, yeah, you just and lyrics like our friend Patrick, Patrick White. Um, still to this day, occasionally will say, do you have new lyrics for me? Because he still likes to write to my words, which is very flattering. And then I go, I just haven't thought in the terms of lyrics because it is a different muscle. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I haven't thought in terms of poetry or lyrics. It's all about story and character these days. Sure. Because the meat of the Zeus's, the original Zeus's pedals uh, catalog or your, your original, although that huge oh, group man, of songs was, you came with, that was all stuff that you'd written, uh, not like all of it, but teens, yes, right? a lot of a lot of it was early stuff. And what's so funny is is because uh, everyone we met after, except for a singer songwriter like yourself, but where it's it's a whatever comes first comes first. But in the case of us, every band that would meet us would be like, "Dude, you guys are doing it backwards," <laughs> because I would just write weird, funny poems. But I would like, okay, here's a bridge section, or here's a, but I can't think of a melody. Like, I can't write music. I would just write lyrics to a song that didn't exist. And then Patrick would just take it, and then he would pound out something that took it farther than I ever would have, because he's like, well, yeah, you wrote literally verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and now it's 14 minutes long. <laughs> like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. But, um, but that's his genius. And yeah. so, uh, again, a fortunate meeting where it's just like, I would never have come up with music like that. He probably never would have come up with words like that. And it was just uh, very fortuitous. And working with him was 
was very easy. Even when we tried second and third band together, they it, they all worked in their own way. I was very proud that we kept evolving our style and um, and could still support each other. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. But uh, oh, and by the way, everybody, I'm Brendan Jones. Twenty minutes in. <laughs> Twenty minutes in. Ah, these people just listen to his chat, um, which is probably what we're going to be doing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Brendan Jones, and currently. Uh, I guess I would say, I mean, I am a writer and sometime illustrator, actor, sometimes singer. It hasn't, I miss the singing. I'll tell you that much. I miss that from being in the bands. I miss your singing too. Oh, dude. Uh, do you remember when we were going to do a duo? We were going to do like a, uh, and we were yeah. working on a set together and we just didn't get it together, <laughs> which was a shame. Yeah, because we my, blend really well, or did we blend? We go very well. Yeah, absolutely. My, I think I remember my mistake back then was thinking that I could banter with you on stage. I suck. <laughs> I don't do it. Patrick Devlin of Blackguards is a genius at stage banter, and that's again, it's like you just need to let him do his thing, and because he just, just goes. I mean, it's its own thing, and yeah. and it is just another part of the performing thing. And I've mm-hmm. seen very taciturn performers. You have. Everyone's different, but I've seen people who have absolutely no personality and their music still blows you away. You're not yeah. that. Uh, but you are just a quieter guy. I remember yeah. you opening for us all the time, and your mm-hmm. stage banter was fine. It just was of a different um, yeah, key. Different. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> like- but I, I see myself when, when I'm with Blackguards, I always think of myself as the uh, – is, is it is Teller the one that's the quiet yes, one? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm like Teller. I, I, yeah. Patrick will be making jokes, and I'll be back there just reacting quietly <laughs> to what he does, and that works. You know, it's worked for a long time, dude. I, I, um, I because you know my my father is uh he's quite old. He's still hanging in there. Um, but I found these cassettes that were a gift from him to me, uh, and my brother, and they were his band's last show uh oh. a record live recording of his folk trio in the 60s uh and it was their last show at this uh club in new orleans where they were like the house band quite beloved and it was two sets early night where they're really fresh and on late night when they have been drinking quite a bit because everyone's like going oh it's your last show let me buy you something and they're still pretty tight it's just they are they are gone. Um, but what's interesting about it is when you're listening to that, um, you know, I was like, oh, that's what my dad's voice sounded like as a young man. Very high tenor. And then also their stage banter was very not scripted, but they had worked out bits like they were the Smothers Brothers. Um, so the lead singer guy who wasn't my dad um very smooth and he was well-spoken like ladies and gentlemen blah 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 so he was the cool leading guy and it was my dad who was the goof like that was his role and he's playing it up like his voice is up here and uh his nickname was tiger it's like and the lead singer would be like tiger what are you doing oh nothing and it'd be some like joke a bit they'd worked out and they did actual stuff like oh uh never tell you about that girl i dated it'd be like this joke they had written and it's like pretty funny but also just like my dad's playing a character on stage and that's what he was known for that's so um, cool. it's like they had had band meetings to say all right i'll be this guy you be this guy and then the third guy would occasionally chime in but he was pretty quiet uh, it was mainly my dad and the lead 
But I was like, this is corny. But I loved it just because it was so relatable. I was yeah. like, this is kind of what every band does. And in Zuzu's Pedals, we all had our personalities. I'm like, okay, I know that Patrick doesn't talk a lot. He's not going to talk a lot, but he's going to make his wacky faces and he's going to mm-hmm. play the guitar like a maniac. And then you're going to have Jerry goofing off over on the keyboards and chiming mm-hmm. in. Um, so, you know, we all find our way. We yes. all find our way. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but uh, that's so cool. I want, I want to hear this the the recording of your dad. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally they, forgot. I mean, it's all covers. That. It's all covers. And oh well, what I was saying was for him, I digitized it. Um, I I found the you know one of those little gadgets to take from a cassette and digitize it. And then I also sent it through like noise reduction and stuff and sent it to him as MP3s, and it blew him away. He was very very pleased. Um, it is hilarious to hear him. I go, uh, I just like to say, uh, over there is my wife, uh, um, <laughs> and our little boy, she had brought Robin. Uh, this is in the sixties. Robin was maybe a year or two old, like a little baby. So my mom's in a bar. <laughs> with my He's like, Oh, there's my wife, Kay and our little boy, Robin. <laughs> it's like, going, this explains a lot. Um, and I'm not born yet, obviously, but anyway, so, uh, oh. But I love that. It's very fun. And it's all, they are really tight. They almost got a record deal because one of the big bands of the day, this is for the audience at home. You guys are loving this, right? You don't know who the hell I am. (laughs) 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 But like the Kingston Trio or somebody um, came through New Orleans and they opened for this big band and folk band. And the folk band was like, we will take you back to LA. You know, you're great. We should get our our label interested in you maybe cut an album and do, and my dad was the one who put the uh, kibosh on it because Robin was just an infant and he didn't want to move them. They would have been going out to the West coast. And my dad still, that's when I was like, uh, yeah, I almost, uh, almost made it big. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, dad, but they are really tight and they're doing stuff like hang down your head, Tom Dooley, hang down your head and cry. It's all that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, and he's playing the stand-up bass. That was his wow. uh, instrument. Uh, that has been Brendan Talks About His Dad. That's a new segment here on our podcast. So what, what's the story with um, – I've, I've broached this subject with Patrick and – Patrick White. Okay, listen. And, and you and listen, Jerry sometimes. I, only, I agreed to do this as long as we would not talk about what happened at the VMAs <laughs> or any of the uh, standing allegations against me in our what? civil suit. We'll skirt around that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm just, as a huge ZZP, Zeus's Pedals fan. Oh, who, dude. I was there at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> that, you that's were. When, that's when we met is when. But it's ridiculous to think of yeah. you as a fan because you are, you are an addendum. You are our buddy. It's like, you can't yeah. be a fan and that, though I would say I'm a huge Chad Smalley fan and there's, <laughs> there's the log rolling. Um, yeah. I, well, I, I, I just felt really, really honored. That, stuff. That, uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I, there was some, some of my fondest memories of are back in those days. Cause at the time Dwight and I were trying to start a new band after our previous band had, had <laughs> just elemental penguin. Imploded. No, no, the change. Oh, was, the change, uh, right, right. Was after that. And uh at some point, Patrick, we ran into Patrick White somewhere and, and he he was totally into doing it. So we started working with him. 
And but we could never get the, we keep the lineup together. But what was cool though is that he he mentioned that he he was starting to do stuff with you at the time. Yeah. And so when our project kind of fell apart, a lot a lot of the ideas that we had been working on became Zeus's pedal songs. Oh wow! Uh, there was uh, Sir Rock a lot that yeah. that riff we had we were doing something that had completely different format or you know structure. And Post No Bills was another one. Oh my God! Uh, really, had, I had no idea that I actually wrote some really bad lyrics for. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the only song we performed too. Um, Where was at, that? At Zelda's one night. At Zelda's, for, there you go for Trip Sutherland's uh, birthday. On on a uh, trip was a sound guy there back then. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that so was great to see these ideas like actually become what they were meant to be, you know, a little bit later. <laughs> uh, Patrick, um, Patrick does. And I, I, I'm going to assume, uh, the thing I always say is I, I love to sing. Uh, I haven't been doing it in a long time, but I don't consider myself a musician and that's not self-deprecation. It's just, um, you point me towards a song and help me learn it. And then I can tinker with it. I can find some things in it and do it my way, but I, don't think in terms of music. So that's what always blows me away about like yourself composers. And in fact of Patrick, he has this memory, even post traumatic brain <laughs> incidents yeah. like he's had, he has this memory for um, riffs bits. And he of course records constantly. He records literally just a section because it just came to him and that's what he does like note taking but he has like a library and i've heard him bring stuff back from years before uh past he when we did our last band here uh in portland because he ended up in portland as well as me and our friend jerry so three of the zuzu's pedals guys and our last band started out being called cudgels of divine grace, which I always loved, but they're like going, people don't know what a cudgel is. And they're like, <laughs> people are saying cuddles. And I was like, yeah, but cudgels of divine grace. I love it. But we changed the name to Capra esque, which is a fine name. I liked that oh. one too. Weren't uh, you, oh, I guess this was before y'all moved away from Houston. It was a uh, great Caesar's ghost briefly. Right. Uh, oh man. I don't think we ever performed as that. We were talking we didn't? about okay. that. All right. Also, we were talking about changing it to Mad Tea Party because of our agent agent. Our manager wanted to send us uh, on a uh, East Coast tour, and there was a Zuzu's Pedals band already. Was that Spelled when we were doing Hot Hot Cup of Joe tour? We were that? going to possibly take that on tour. Yeah, which I was going to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, you, of course, you were. <laughs> um, I don't remember if we had a backup for Carolyn, like who we were going to have. Yeah, for I the- remember that was a. Because Carolyn could point of contention it. at the time, but uh, man, anyway. but but the whole thing is that um, yeah, and so when we were in that band, which of course is years past ZZP, he would occasionally go, "Do you remember this?" <laughs> like when we were just like working on new stuff, and he'd pull this thing out, and I was like, "That does sound vaguely familiar." He goes, "Well, it was going to be a chunk of that song that we this was going to be abducted by love, but I've thought of a way to reconfigure it into this, and now we can do it." As so I was like, "Cool, man." <laughs> especially yeah. since no one but the oldie uh, moldies remember anything about abducted by love. Do you remember th- this? I just, I just remember this now that you and Patrick and I were in, in his living, living room at his parents' apartment and we were working on a cover of father and son by cat Stevens. Remember that? And you and I were doing, it was like, I think you were singing the father and I was singing the son or something like that. 
Yes, vaguely. I, it was really difficult to get through the song without crying. Yeah. <laughs> like every time. Yeah. I can't, remember, I can't just, remember if we ever actually performed that anywhere. No, we never did. Yeah. I, I think the ones that we performed, uh, it was almost always during your set. Um, yeah. And it would be like we would do, um, you know, we do Space Oddity. That yes, was one that, of the ones we did a that lot. Was a, there was a really great. Do you remember that the, the one time? What, what, maybe it wasn't the one time. The first time we did that, where I was doing a solo show. You and Brent, sorry, you, you, uh, me and you Brendan, Brendan I, and I Patrick, hate that guy. <laughs> y'all were working that night at River Oaks Theater. Um, and so you can be there. You, know, you had to close down the place and then yeah. meet me there. So y'all, it took you a bit longer to get there. And I think you, you had planned. And so you came, both came running in still in your tuxedo <laughs> stuff, uniforms that you wear at work. Ran on stage, <laughs> plugged in Patrick plugging in his guitar. I real do quick. remember that. And we did we did Space Oddity. Yeah, with with the aforementioned Trip Silone running sound. It was, yeah, it was Trip was like the sound man of of note at Fitzgerald's, and since we played at Fitzgerald's all the time, yeah, uh, we dealt with Trip a lot, and dealt with it. Sound makes it sound. No, he was an awesome guy. He was great. Yeah, he was great. And basically, as Patrick said, it's like. Uh, I know the secret to how to get, you know, trip and um, doing good sound. And it was always just bringing them weed. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you do, you're a weird little drug thing and that's fine. Leave me out of it. <laughs> but trip was always cool. I mean, I, I, I never noticed that he did worse sound if we didn't bring him weed. This is a Patrick was convinced like, yeah, that's how we get good sound out of trip. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I remember that. I remember um, when we were, you and I at um, Dwight and my apartment um, working on possible set for a duo like cover group. Um, and I remember which one was it? It was a, uh, Oh, um, is the song called blessed by Simon and Garfunkel? Oh, blessed are the meek. For oh, yeah. they shall inherit. Right, 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 right. And, and we were uh, both of us like uh, trying to like, who's going to be Garfunkel? Who's going? <laughs> who's going to do the high harmonies? And so we had Dwight as the um, uh, as the judge of that. It's like we'll do it, and we'll both do it. We'll do it twice. This time you're going to be Simon. You'll be on the bottom, and I'll be Garfunkel. Next time you Gar, and then uh, and then Dwight was like, I think Brendan should be Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy i have very little memory of that that's so cool it was i just thought it was so funny that dwight was just sitting there going you guys sound great and we're like yeah awesome and we were picking songs that would obviously you know harmony uh blend and stuff that we liked stuff also that you could play because i can't play a damn thing you were going to be it on guitar um God. and it was beatles stuff obviously it was Simon and Garfunkel, obviously, I think there were like odd things like throwing in a couple of Bowie things. Not that he's known for, you know, duos or harmonies, but I mean, he, there's not a way that that we would have had an act that wouldn't have had, you know, a, a little bit of Bowie or yeah. right behind you there, Mr. Gabriel. It's like there are certain artists that we were going to have to include just because we loved them. It's like, we'll figure out a harmony because we just love these guys. The, the one thing I do remember from that that brief effort <laughs> i don't know why it didn't work out brief we, effort is going to be the name of my autobiography <laughs> 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 brief effort the brendan jones story um, 
what we were gonna one of the bits that we wanted to do was to it was like a hee haw thing for the panel and the panel and the yes yes but we didn't have any drug jokes scripted and I just remember freezing every time it's like hey Chad yeah <laughs> god damn it that I couldn't think of anything to say. <laughs> Which actually, weirdly, I think would be very uh, postmodern. A great way to do that is, uh, I got nothing. Which I think yeah. is what we wound up doing most of the time. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, I miss that time too, mainly because, well, uh, we are older now, and the everyone gets nostalgic for their twenties and thirties. And for me, it was, <clears throat> I mean, to tell you the truth, when people are going, I had big dreams of how, I didn't really have big dreams. It would have been cool. That was always the thing. It's like, if we had been signed, if the thing became a reality, that would have been cool. I wasn't really aiming for it. Uh, I was just trying to challenge myself to come up with bigger, better, weirder, uh, more original, more creative and if we got an audience, great. But I didn't really like, let's go get interviewed by a local reporter. It wasn't that kind of stuff. Um, but what I miss is that kind of stew where you and everyone you know is working on something. Yeah. And in a city that big in Houston where creative people have to find each other because the city's so damn big and... The city is kind of, you know, it's a business town. It is a cow town and it's not really about creativity. So that's why those people form such tight knit groups. Yeah. We threw, like I say, I was lucky because being an outsider to the HSPVA thing, I still ended up knowing so many of these great talented people that came out of there and people that were in the local like U of H and so forth. Um, brilliant actors, brilliant writers and performers, and everyone was working on some visual artists, I, you know, painters, and we all kind of benefited. It was like, yeah. uh, you're sitting there going, well, I'm not just focused on our next show. Uh, I'm also going to do a bit in my friend's puppet thing he's doing over at a, literally my friend, Joel, Orr. I remember, uh, he, he was a puppeteer and did bizarre dark theater and he he's like will you and your brother do this thing in our puppet show i was like yes <laughs> was like, we um both of us we ended up in so much stuff there and it would be performances and uh live poetry readings i was in a, a poetry group for a while i mean it was just that's what i miss where it was just mm -hmm. like um that community and obviously when you get older your friend's your circle of friends shrinks anyway, not not for any reason other than uh, everyone's lives just get too busy. But back then, it was just like walking down the street and going, "Know that guy? Know that? Know that girl? Know that?" And we've done this together. We did a little thing over here. How else would we have done Hot Cup of Joe, an operetta on stage, and gotten you as a character, uh, and gotten Carolyn Wonderland? multi-grammy winner carolyn wonderland is in our yeah. weird little theater piece and yeah. she loved it and every time mm -hmm. i've i've had the opportunity to see her in years past years since la bumped into her there uh i've at least chatted with her um when she was in portland but the whole thing is like she's like that was great i love doing that it's like awesome yeah. it was just a great time and 
whether or not we all became megastars, it doesn't matter. It just, uh, it was awesome to be yeah. in the middle of, of that kind of creativity. I just love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. There was so many, so many things doing. You're mentioning about that River Oaks. And also there were terrible people the- and awful, <laughs> awful performers. Some of the worst people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like in well, any community, there were people like going, Jesus, what the hell is that guy's wrong? Yeah, of course. Oh, no, here he comes again. Don't make eye contact. Yeah. And we will be naming names on this podcast. That's what it's about. <laughs> yes, Let's shame people from 30 years ago. But you reminded me of something that, uh, at, at River Oaks Theater again, which was the really was the hub of almost everything. And River Oaks Theater, on. by the way, for the listeners who don't know, um, not a theater theater. It was a movie theater, and and uh, but it was just right there in in the Montrose, which is Houston's creative center, kind of mm-hmm. um, the free lifestyle alternate lifestyle center. And the theater itself wasn't showing, though. <laughs> though we certainly did show like Ghostbusters two. <laughs> there was so, a time, yeah, yes, but it was the foreign film, art film, repertory yeah. film theater. And again, it attracted all these great personalities. Yeah, yeah, um, and it, thankfully, it's been rescued now. It was, it was yeah, landmark, landmark abandoned it. I signed and, uh, signed yeah. that petition. Yeah, as did I. But it's been saved now by a local. Uh, I forgot to go. Studio City Grill or something like that. Uh, wow, so they own but it will several... remain a movie theater. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're going to turn it into a sort of an Alamo Draft House style. Oh, uh, great. That is what it should be. Which is kind of what it try, was trying to be in its day. So I don't think Landmark's doing too well. So yeah. I, would, I don't think it was anything personal, River Oaks. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, but there, there was one one day we were there. It was around the time that Zeus's Battles was getting started. And, and your brother Robin was there. And we were hanging out in the lobby talking about our careers. And we're, it's funny to think at the time, we were all still in our early 20s at the time. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> and, talk uh, about our careers. And Robin, Robin was like, being self-deprecating and say, I don't know, I'm still waiting to be famous or something like that. I don't know if it's going to happen. And I said something like, well, David Bowie didn't hit it big till he's 24. And he <laughs> says, you know, so there's still hope. He goes, yeah, yeah. Like, like Wilford Brimley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly, um, I've had people over the years make the Wilford Brimley reference to me whenever I was that. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm now basically the age of Wilfred Brimley. So I'm sitting yeah. there going, yeah, I guess it's going to happen soon. I better start working on uh, how I pronounce diabetes. Uh- <laughs> so let's let's get into this. Back in the aforementioned day that we've been mm-hmm. reminiscing about, when you and I lived only a few minutes away from each other. So pretty much weekly, you and I were hanging out and we were talking, talking music, talking movies, talking Superman. Yeah. And... Um, it's kind of funny to think back then, really, there was only maybe one and a half decent Superman movies. Oh, I that know. Existed. And that, that was really also one and a half good superhero movies because there really weren't that many. I mean, just then. look where, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, that's another thing of like, we've lived so long. <laughs> but when I think that um, that in our lifetime, I mean, I'm sure when you were a kid, just like myself, we had... Super Friends cartoons on Saturday mornings. We had reruns of The Adventures of Superman, the 50s show, which I did love because it was all I had, mm-hmm. uh, and reruns of the Batman 60s show. Um, and then we had The Incredible Hulk. I mean, really, we 
took what, and I say this a lot to my friend John, who is 30 years old and a huge comics and superhero nerd. Um, I'm like, you take what you get. Like you, if you're a fan, you realize it could be so much better, but I'm going to watch this because it is thematically what I want. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to watch this live action Spider-Man show, which is horrible, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch yeah. the two Captain America TV movies, which are terrible, um, <laughs> because it's at least a cousin to the thing that I love. Mm-hmm. And then things started picking up. Uh, uh, do you remember uh, <laughs> Do you remember where you were on the opening of uh, 89 Batman? Yeah, I was. Uh, I went to go see that. With uh, some friends from high school, uh, it was a sort of a semi date, like a Ooh. double or triple date. Yeah, nice. Late. Oh wait, <laughs> so you had like uh, three romantic partners? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it, Chad. Well, I remember I was late to the movie, and and the girl I was dating had to wait for me outside because oh. oh. I had to. I had to. I decided I was coming from work. And I had decided I want to go home and shower first because it's a yeah, date. And you had that Batman outfit that you'd already laid out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah. So I missed the first like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, the are you kidding me? It. Never. Oh, yeah. I couldn't do that. Even so, if I had to shower. Um, what do you uh, think no, of I, that movie now? <clears throat> it's still pretty great. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the reason I picked that instead of like Superman, the movie Superman, the movie we definitely are going to be talking about, but I will say that 89 Batman is the more clear line of where things start when, when the, it starts the, the thing that led to MCU and all that of, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, big budget taking it seriously. um, And not just a one-off because then it has sequels and then, they're trying to get other movies off the ground. And you're like, oh, okay. It starts the whole superhero film movement. Like Superman, the movie didn't. Uh, I love it, but it 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 uh, other than its own sequels, it didn't suddenly spur other superhero movies, which is weird. Which is it is weird. And I'm, I'm been, was wondering about this earlier. It's like, well, how much of that was the, the you know the technology just wasn't quite there yeah. yet. Yeah. But also, I think, well, especially in the case of that movie, that you you had a handful of people who got it. You know, yeah. Richard Donner just sort of intrinsically, 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 intrinsically. <laughs> he, yeah, thank you. What the hell's wrong with me today? Um, um, I'm he just, just again, understood. I'm going to state how old we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just he just got it. He he just understood it right from the get go because uh, he was already a Superman fan. He's like, I know how this needs to be done. Yeah. Nobody else has done it before. Verisimilitude being the, yeah, literally on a, a, what a piece of paper, whatever above his desk, which Kevin Feige has carried over into the MCU, that whole state of mind. Thank you. You take it at face value. You take it seriously, but he was wrestling with the, with the Salkinds. This is a classic producer uh, director battle, right? So, I think I think that really has a lot. That is, that is probably the bigger problem is that the IP has been in the hands of people and still, <laughs> today well, okay. is in the hands of people who don't quite understand. How I'm to not do it jumping properly. in there just yet, but holy okay. hell, man! And I worked for Warner Brothers in, in a tour guide <laughs> capacity, but all I could keep thinking is like, guys, talk to me. 
He's like, can I help you in any way with your IP? Because you go, you don't can get it anyway. Um, the the thing about Batman, uh, Tim Burton's Batman, is it is its own beast. And the problems I have with it now are the same ones I had with it then. Does not hamper my enjoyment of it because, again, in its own way, it is taking it deadly serious, mm-hmm. um, but in a very cartoonized, even more possibly than the comic, because it leans so heavily in Tim Burton's aesthetic, yeah. which is a good marriage because he's very gothy and all that. Um, but, you know, I still hate the Joker is the guy who killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Um, that's just too tidy and screenwriterly, and I don't like it. Plus, it means <laughs> I had the same problem with Gotham when that show was on, where I'm like, if he meets all of these villains before he... It's just this closed circle where it's like, uh, my mailman ends up being Mr. Freeze or something. Like, don't do that yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Plus the fact that the age gap is so big. It's like, by the time he becomes Batman in his 20s, he'll be beating up middle-aged men. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Jack Nicholson was... He's a perfect casting, but he's perfect casting 30 years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so a middle-aged, chunky Joker isn't exactly what I'm after. And again, you've got a guy in his 20s beating up a middle-aged man who has lost his mind right. and loves <laughs> Prince music. But um, <laughs> right. But on the whole, as a superhero movie, great. And am I excited to see, you know, Keaton back in the cowl? Yeah. Um, and the idea of a multiverse makes all of this okay. It's like, yeah, I know it, it's, it's like, kind of you brilliant can still like Bale. Bale's Batman exists just in a whole other place. And you can like these other Batman and that's uh fine. Um, did you watch any of that? Uh, like the crisis on infinite earth thing they did on the, the CW shows. A little bit. I had, I didn't really follow from those the, shows, from the, but yeah, I was, I came I was back for the special a, events. Yeah, I was excited about the Flash when it first started, and yeah. and uh, I always had problems with it. But there were some things I really liked. I liked the guy who plays Cisco. I, th- yeah. I thought his character was cool. Uh, you mean vibe? The, <laughs> yeah, right. And um, yeah, it was it was it was it was good. But it just it just started really getting. And they they were the cool thing about that show is that they were they would do crazy plot lines and stuff that had to yeah. do with multiverse and, yeah. and time travel and stuff. And but the. It started to it started to get it kind of unravel and get weird. Well, and, I, I, I know. you know, I gave pretty much all of the CW shows a season. Uh, I think I watched Arrow longer just because it was the only one for a while. But but yeah, the TV ness of them kind of and the way they would, which is true of Warner Brothers in general. Um, there may have been fans at work, but they still basically were reaching in a hat and pulling out like names pulling out characters and not thinking about how they should be done but just it doesn't matter the fans will go crazy well why is vibe an employee of star labs and why does star labs have literally three employees one of whom will be vibe the other one will be killer frost (laughs) okay um what do these guys have to do the flash nothing uh and then you're just like what just like felicity smoke the character over on arrow you're like that's an actual com- uh, character from the comics who has nothing to do with Green Arrow. Why does she end up being his love interest? So it's just stuff like that. I'm like, guys, are you just throwing stuff in a blender and going, here we go? 
So that does bug me. That isn't really helping fans if what you're doing is just give it the name. They don't really care. They'll just be happy that we're including this person. No, do it smartly. That's what we like. Yeah. They Look never at had what Feige does. They do it right. smartly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't want to deify that guy too much, but they got very lucky to find a guy who is a good producer. One, mm. like he literally is a good producer, but someone who is the overseer, who is a deep nerd that changes Marvel. Oh, man, I'm getting on my soapbox. Chad, Chad, Come oh, got to get it. Okay, I got to move it over here. <laughs> All right. Give me a second. Getting on this. Okay, up on the soapbox. And here's the thing. Uh, the thing they do well, they make plenty of changes from the comics, which every now and then, yeah, I can nitpick because I'm nitpicky as a, as a longtime nerd. But all the changes, and this is what John and I have talked about many a time, my friend John, is their changes are smart. When they make them, you can see why they made them. And it is not going to match entirely what is comics continuity, because you can't, and I do realize that. But they get close enough, and it doesn't feel out of character. It's when stuff feels thrown in like a hash, which is what the WB has done from the get-go with all of the DC characters. It's just like, guys, it just takes someone to oversee it. It just takes one person who gets it and say, you want to use that character? Fine. But this is how they should be introduced and mm-hmm. they should be introduced over here because organically it works well the way and fans will be happy that you paid enough attention. Yeah, you know, it's like we're lucky we got like a Gorilla Grodd and the Flash. We got a Captain Cold. We got That's we true. got these classic rogues gallery. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and CW. Whatever. What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. One thing I was really thrilled with, but it was kind of like a, it turned out to be sort of disappointing in the end, was when they started doing the the arc where they introduced Firestorm. Yeah. Who Firestorm? When I was when I was a kid, he was. Firestorm and the new Teen Titans were yeah. like my, my two favorite uh, things that were running at the time. So when they started doing that um, with the professor and everything, and they, mm-hmm. they finally got to the scene where he's in his head talking to him. Yes. So it's like, yes. Yeah. But then he just, I, that just, just disappeared. They didn't do yeah. anything else. With it. like, it's like, it's like, it. it's like they, they did like toss crumbs your way. And for the longtime fans. And I got to say, um, Victor Garber, right? That's the actor. As yeah. Professor Stein, great choice. Love great Victor casting, Garber. yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's the same thing. And I will say, us being the same age, it's exactly what you're saying. We are also very lucky because, weirdly, comics grew up with us. We were kids during the end of the Silver Age and into you know the Bronze Age of the 70s. And that was the first time that the really simplistic silver age starts getting a little smarter. Cause you have all those dope head twenties, 20 year old, <laughs> like ex hippies start to write it in the seventies, start making a little bit more mature. Then in the eighties, when we are teens, they, they, they start taking the, the characters into any even more mature stuff. And the medium starts to bend because you have dark night and crisis on infinite earths and Watchmen and all that. The comics essentially grew up with our generation. To a fault, because now it's all people like ourselves gatekeeping and saying, no, no, I want comics to be the same as uh, as my age, and I want them to be tailored to me. And I, I find myself going, oops, 
we went too far because comics should there should be comics for 10 year olds. And I keep going the Superman they're going to read now or whoever, uh, whatever character they're going to read now is probably way too mature for them. And you need the next generation to have the same experience we had of reading those like kind of cheesy silver age and bronze age stuff. But for their generation, comics should always be able to grow up. These characters are eternal. There should be kid versions of all of these things. Batman, if you just went from like an early reader's Batman story of like, I'll get you, Joker. You know you won't. Ha ha ha. Oh no, foiled by my own plan. And then you immediately go to like uh, the death of the family storyline of Court of Owls. You just sort of jump to something where the Joker has peeled his own face off and stapled it onto his head. And you're like, oh, what? Oh, no, I, wah. But I agree with you on one thing, which is, we were, like I said, we were very lucky. I love that same stuff because things like Firestorm was an attempt in the you know late 70s, early 80s to create like the teenage entry character, just like over at Marvel because Spider-Man was not quite married yet, but he was older. So they mm-hmm. in- introduced Nova. Uh, you had Nova, you had... Uh, Firestorm, and then of course New Teen Titans. New Teen Titans, come on! I've reread that stuff, and it holds up. It's so really good. I still have all. That. I need. I need to dig them out. I, mean, I, I and love Kitty that Pride's so entrance over at X Men around the same time. You have the oh, yeah. kid, teenage, entry level character, and you know, as like a fourteen year old reading that classic run, I'm sitting there with a crush on Kitty Pride because I'm like, <laughs> she's so adorable. She's my age, and she gets to hang out with Nightcrawler. <laughs> like, this is the best. <laughs> world ever um so yeah no i i love the comics of our youths and i still read plenty of comics but i do find myself going backward a lot and revisiting but also reading stuff i missed at the time like oh this was people loved this in my youth i just didn't read it now i'm reading it and it's great yeah like i i it's making me one because i haven't i I've gone through periods in my life where I'd buy comics for a while and then the price would go up and I'd get pissed off. Yeah, and I'd stop no, buying I them. hear you. Yeah. It happened. So I haven't really been a regular comics purchaser or reader in, in a long time, but it's now, okay. Now, Chad. Yeah. I'm here for you. Here. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> you and I were talking about this stuff and I, I found, I haven't read the whole article yet, but the article that you wrote for John at, a, mm. at his site, uh, the Superman, uh, um, starters guide, starters guide. Yeah. And you have a bunch of really great recommendations in there. And I'm trying to remember now because I, because you had told me a long time ago about Mark Wade, mm-hmm. um, and he, I was watching some videos about him last night, and one of the ones he did fairly recently was Birthright, right? Well, was fairly that? recently, as in almost 20 years ago. But yes, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but no, um, yeah, that I think it's 2000 and nine maybe so yeah. not that far for back, me but that's fairly recent comment no yeah understood terms. and birthright was great it what was sad about birthright was what i said in the article is that it was literally dc saying we want you to give us the new origin update it and he was like okay and everyone loved it it was critically well received but then they had one of their big crisis kind of things where they rebooted the universe and they it was no longer valid. So mm. they're like, well, we hope you enjoyed Birthright. <laughs> but it has beautiful art. And um, and I really did like, because it focuses on, well, okay. 
I don't want to get too much into the whole uh, religious metaphor that is Superman, but Superman has sort of the Christ story parallel in the oh, fact absolutely. that in the fact that well, oh, absolutely, but also <laughs> the fact that there's a, a section of time that doesn't get uh, explored a lot because the Jesus story, like he. He does the whole thing in the temple, and I'm in my father's house as he's a kid, and Mary and Joseph love the kid, and then suddenly he's the he's the wandering you know preacher man, and you're like, what about those years in between? So this is what Birthright kind of did was focus on the time between Clark leaving Smallville and coming to Metropolis as you know a reporter. So there's that the teens to early twenties where he's just wandering the world. He's not in a costume. And he's just learning about different cultures and learning how to use his powers. Yes. Love it. So great. That, and that's what the, they keep doing the Superman shows at the wrong time. You know, it's that, that sort of <laughs> Smallville, the, the eternally edging <laughs> going on. Oh, with man. Like, Would I you gave just up on that show. Already? I, I know. I gave and, up. I couldn't. And it was like, you're just talking about Gotham. It was the same problem. A lot of really kind of cool th- things that they did and cool characters that they brought into that show. I love that whoever the actor was who played, who played Gordon. Yeah. I, I thought he was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and of the, course, and, uh, and, uh, Alfred. Donald Logue as, uh, as, um, uh, as Bullock, you know, I'm like, this is great. Great casting. Yeah. A lot of the but casting was just, good, but yeah, as other people to- said, it's like, it's, it's what you've always wanted. It's, uh, the story of before things got cool. Yeah, you're like okay, great. I want to see uh, people in their normal clothes walking around having a normal life, but all these like heavy-handed winks. And with Smallville going ten years, they literally just said they made a Superman show, but just denying you Superman because he's fighting villains every week. And you're like, I would like it if it was one season or two seasons of seeing Clark as a teenager where he's not saving the world from, you know, um, superpowered menaces. Cause that's fine. A season of him being a normal kid, but learning his powers is great and ends with him going off and, uh, creating the fortress of solitude. Maybe great, mm-hmm. but not 10 years where we're sitting there going, Jesus Christ, he now has kids. He still hasn't put on a cave. I mean, he, yeah. why are we calling it Smallville? He's been in Metropolis for five years now. I'm like, oh, just stop it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That kind of stuff is dumb, but it's it became the thing, and I, I don't like that. Yeah, that's why um, it would be so cool if they would do a show based in that time period you were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that that's that's something also, hasn't really been explored. Well, in live I think that would be much. crazy money if he if he is like world traveling. That's the thing is like. Um, that I, I do love that birthright throws you because when you start reading it, you're in Africa. It, it is literally like 19 year old Clark Kent. And for two or three issues, it's him dealing with local warlords and things like that and learning another culture. And I'm eating it up because I'm just like, great, because you're seeing, you might say, well, where's the costume and da da da. And why are we focusing on this? It's just showing how his, morality is being built and what matters and what extent he's going to use his powers. He could easily wipe out the enemies of this wonderful tribe that he's friends with. He could do that. Should he, you know, it's like, no, of course not. He realizes he can't be that. He can't be the kind of savior that just judges and then executes and takes people out. So the forming of his character 
is what I love. He gets everything from, you know, the Kents. Uh, the, that's the foundation is getting that stuff from the Kents about just decency and, and morality. And then he sees how it plays in bigger stakes than outside of small, than, than Smallville. And then, then he earns that suit. And then he is our friend and we can trust his judgment. That's the thing. It's like having a Superman sounds great, but it's all about, are you going to trust that person? Mm-hmm. Because that person could just set himself up on a throne and go, well, I know what's right for everybody. And just, I am now emperor Superman. Right. And right. plenty of storylines have done that, by the way, they love making an evil Superman storyline at DC. It's like, Oh yeah. And this one, it's an alternate universe. Oh, this is earth three. Oh, this is a thing. With the, the, the. Hope you There's- like an evil Superman. Yeah, well, which is kind maybe of, once or twice. They've been doing that on Superman and Lois, which I've heard I've heard through Jerry that you're not a huge fan of that show. Well, oh, it is about me being nitpicky. Uh, I don't mind them being parents of kids. It just leaned. The I watched like the first three or four episodes. I will get back in because I've heard how good it gets, and I do like that guy, and I do like Lois. But I was sitting there going, yeah, it's a little CW. It is a little teen angsty family drama. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's better than the other CW shows for sure. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's also bad. (laughs) Some of the writing. the DC shows, I like the ones that pretty much they aimed at the streaming service because I do like Stargirl. Um, I like Stargirl, Doom Patrol. Pretty great. Pretty amazing. Um, and I do like what they're doing with Superman and Lois. I just need to give it a bigger shot. Yeah, yeah. And it's it just... is the Superman that I like. I like that they have kept him. They haven't angsted him up. He's just being a dad, but he's still Superman. He, yeah, he really does it well. Um, and I, I like the idea. You know, they never because that is that's another thing they never explored is in live action until now is him being a parent, you know? Yeah. So they've, they've, they've done some cool stuff with, with those things. Like you've got one kid who has powers and the other one who doesn't for some reason. Yeah. That's kind of a twist. Yeah. And I keep thinking at some point, the other kid's going to wind up having powers. I keep waiting for it to happen. Uh, But aren't they, uh, again, this is from someone who's just kind of heard people talking about it more than watched it, but aren't they kind of leaning into it's possible his jealousy will create, he'll be kind of a bad guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, like he'll I think be a, a, a Lutherish type. Well, the, the, this gets into the, the stuff that they're doing now. And I'm going to wind up spoiling some of this for you, which, well, I knew, that, I knew that the, the, the guy that everyone thought was Luther from another dimension ended up being John Henry irons. I know <laughs> that. And then the character everyone thought was going to be doomsday turned out to be bizarro was kind of the twist. So these are things I've already heard. Yeah. The bizarro, uh, storyline they did was, was actually kind of cool. Um, yeah, uh, I've heard good stuff, but then he goes, then the bizarro disappears. He doesn't come back and like, just bring it back. He was awesome. You know, it's just, uh, just not really consistent. The, the main problem that Bizarre they're doing is hard it, to do consistently because yeah. you, you, the writer's sitting there going, does he what say uh, me hate Lois or yeah. me love Lois? I, can't, don't, I don't know what he's supposed to say. They don't lean that hard into it. He, he talks backwards and it, it, the kind of the way they do that. It's kind of cool. It's like if you're from the Bizarre Universe and you're in our, and, and Superman's oh, universe. It's just literally like Zatanna backwards speak. Like what? Like Zatanna backwards speak. I get. Yeah. Um, so only people will have 
Kryptonian powers can figure out how to reverse their speech so that uh, people can understand them. That's Does it. he come they, from a square world? They did, yeah, the Earth is square, the Sun is square. It's, <laughs> they, oh, nice. they lean hard into that. And they, whenever you're in the bizarre world, they, like everything's written backwards and stuff. It's kind of uh, neat. All right. Music is playing backwards in the background. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But it's it, it, it still gets frustrating, though. And the big the big problem that show makes, as far as I'm concerned, is there's just too many Kryptonians and there's too many people with Kryptonian powers. And there's there's a special kind of kryptonite they find that people inhale it and, and they, they get – Temporarily oh man, that's powers. a little like, bit like Smallville, where the only explanation for it's like, geez, how does he keep running into these powered people? Oh, it's because the kryptonite rocks. The kryptonite mm. rocks that landed when he crashed turned yeah. people into mutants. Too many people's superpowers. Yeah, and they're they're doing the same thing in this one. There's there's a little bit too much of Smallville in this show because well, it's it does start with somebody <laughs> save me. <laughs> Um, no, that, and by the way, I'm sorry I did that. Cause I think that just cost you money. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get the rights to that. Yeah. Oh, well. but, um, no, I, I will give it a shot. I mean, the thing is, I do think the great thing about the character is, uh, well, besides it being perhaps one of the greatest fictional creations of all time is, is that it is so durable that you can, bend it, alter it, tweak it. I mean, they did that from the very beginning. Uh, so I can't sit there going, there's a pure Superman. It's like, well, Superman didn't fly in the beginning. He just did those big leaps. So along the line, people keep tweaking the character. You can make him unpleasant. You can, but it's better when he's not unpleasant. So I do think that he he will be here long after we're gone. And I don't know what, people's superman will be like uh 40 years from now but as john likes to point out and it's true he goes dude i know you hate man of steel and i do um i I think henry cavill is a is a good choice he just got a terrible movie Mm -hmm. uh and terrible script bad take on the character but i'm sitting there going uh, john says i know you hate it but that's somebody's first superman there are going to be 10-year-olds to see that, and that will be their version, and they will love it. And mm. they will sit there going, I prefer Superman when he was snapping necks and crying about it. <laughs> 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 and, and that's gross to think about, but I'm like, yeah, I guess. And when we were reading that stuff, in the, <laughs> we were reading that stuff in the 90s, which was, a, you know, I'd say 80s into 90s was a high point for Superman uh, comics in general. But there were kids younger than us that didn't come up with the 70s stuff. So kids of that era, like for them, their first Supergirl was a protoplasmic creature that just adopted this persona oh, yeah. and was bedding down with Lex Luthor in a in a clone body. <laughs> I'm right. like, okay, that's someone's introduction to that character? Oh, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> um, but that is true for every version it's going to be someone's ideal version and we can't, we can't gatekeep. We can't say that is the wrong version. It's like the, the Star Wars prequels is the same, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Some people love them because this whole thing, it was their first Star Wars movie was Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. and they loved it. And Amidala all day long and Jar Jar defenders. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is the name of my new band, by the way, Jar yeah. Jar Defenders. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, I mean, I get it. I And I, I do feel that I'm an old man that sits there on my porch going, that's not Superman. <laughs> but there is a core to the character that, oh, speaking of Mark Wade, I think he's the one, or is it Kurt Busiek? One of those two great comics writers. I read their take on Man of Steel. And they said that um, they they sat in the theater opening night, squirming, uh, not liking it, but hanging in there. And the second that uh, Clark and Zod are having their showdown in the museum, that they said, I never talk out loud in a theater. It's not my way. But I've started going, no, 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 no. And he goes, and the second that neck snapped, I got up and walked out. I have not seen the end of it. Now, I did stick around, but it's true. When you see something that so doesn't get the character, the core of it. And I know that Snyder was thinking I'm being ballsy with some of my reinterpretations. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in this world, Pa Kent wouldn't be talking about all that stuff. Pa Kent would be trying to protect his son by saying, hide your powers. Don't help other people. Let me get swept away by a tornado. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, excuse me, Mr. Snyder, wrong take, wrong take, <laughs> yeah. terribly wrong take. Yeah. Casting, I got no problem with. Kevin Costner, great idea for a new Pa Kent, but just a terrible take, mm-hmm. wrong headed. It's just like when I saw Dark Knight Rises, the third of the Nolan movies, uh, of the Batman movies, within eight minutes of that movie, and I had enjoyed Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Within eight minutes of that movie, I suddenly realized, oh my God, this guy has made three movies about this character and he doesn't get him at all. Really? But, well, have you seen it? Did you yeah, watch it's been those? A while. I well, like the but first the whole two. thing, yeah. yes. But the whole thing is oh, we meet Bruce Wayne. And uh, he has so been so devastated by Maggie Gyllenhaal, his girlfriend's death in the previous movie, that he has spent eight years hiding in uh, Wayne Manor, walking around with a cane and growing a beard and feeling bad for himself. And, the, and that is like in the first eight minutes, I was like, oh, shit, you don't understand Batman at all. Mm-hmm. That tragedy would have fueled him. In fact, the criminals would have been beaten bloody because he would have been working that shit out on the streets right. he doesn't go point. and hide for eight years yeah. yeah so i was like oh that's a shame I it's, it's that. a shame mr nolan that you've gotten yeah. this far without understanding the character which sadly is very reminiscent of another bad take on a character recently yeah. ryan which johnson is- and what he did with luke skywalker well Oof. okay see here's where we divide i agree it's disappointing but I really did like Last Jedi. I thought I, it was a daring and necessary swerve. And then I felt really embarrassed by Rise of Skywalker oh God. because of the way it was like, let's pretend that stuff didn't happen and I'm going to paste over it. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, a- that's not what you do. You, It's a yes and thing. Yeah, it's yeah. just like an improv. You say that did happen it, and yeah, now I'm building right. on it instead of saying, oh, no, 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 no. I'm making you happy, right? And here's some Palpatine. Do you feel better now? <laughs> here's some Palpatine. <laughs> here's a, hey, you it know sounds what? Like Ovaltine. Yeah, yeah, you look a little uh, peaked. Have a little Palpatine. <laughs> I made you. I made you a little something. Here's a little Palpatine. But I, I do understand people's upset, upset about Luke in Last Jedi, and I get it. 
I, I, as disappointing, yes, but I, I still thought it was good. I, I I was, I was going to be okay with it because I was, I was kind of hopeful. Like, and I thought that death scene was badass early. His his force battle with the, them not realizing he's not even there. That was brilliant. Yeah. The thing that pissed me off is like, we just got Luke back and you're killing him immediately. And I just thought that was a really stupid move on Lucasfilm's part to say, yeah, let's go ahead and kill Luke Skywalker in his first appearance. And, uh, because he was Mark Hamill is so passionate about the character. He's, he's, He's up there in years, but he's taking good care of himself. He's so he's, oh, no. he's, he's he enthusiastic great. as and hell. And I do and think that's amazing he so acting he did. In Bo- it's true. Yeah. He he gets his one movie. I will say that Obi-Wan, I loved him in the first movie, and they fucking killed him. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, we just got to know this old man, and yeah. now he's a force ghost. <laughs> they did the same with Luke. I mean, he does show up in the third movie like, hey, yeah. Yeah, force yeah, ghost, yeah. Yeah. look at me. I'm all shimmery. <laughs> Right. Pretty cool. Right. Here's here's Hayden Christensen right next to me. Sorry about that, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which Terrible. we knew is going to happen with this character at some point. So sure, like, sure. Obviously, he's going to become the new Obi Wan, yeah, and then and he's going to sacrifice himself. The, and yes, so that I knew that was coming. It's just like I, I just wish they'd wait at least one more movie. No, I get it. And and your response is uh, totally legit. Um, I find myself being such a last Jedi defender, mainly because of the mounts of shit that were dumped on it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. By uh, fans who were upset about everything, uh, upset mm-hmm. about her being related to nobody special, which I thought that's brilliant. The idea that uh, the force does, uh, work its way through random people. The whole thing with the little stable boy using the force power. I'm like, that's the point. It shouldn't be all about one family's lineage. It yeah. should be about whoever picks up the mantle. So I liked all that. Yeah, it could have been edited. I think there were parts that was like, eh, sure, didn't work. yeah, the whole uh, trim that the casino planet, the casino like, planet. Yeah, let's trim that down by about yeah. eight minutes, and we're a lot better. We're a lot. Yeah, better. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking with that part, well, but. Uh, the um the th- one of the things I really like that a lot of people don't like is when they you know he suddenly kills Snoke in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. and I thought that was brilliant because yeah. now he's the supreme he's the supreme leader of of the uh, of the yeah. of whatever that what were they called the uh, uh, the first the, order the first order yeah so I thought okay now he's he's essentially the emperor yeah so we get to see him and they they and then J J Abrams comes back which I was first I was excited I was like oh cool because I liked. Force Awakens. I thought he, yeah. that was with a few quibbles with that one, but <laughs> overall, it was a nice kind of return to form for the for the franchise. I thought so. He comes back and he, he's just basically like, I don't know. It was like a Jackson Pollock painting. The whole movie is like, I yes. don't know. Just yeah. Hey, oh, oh yeah, a wedge. We let's let's put two seconds of wedge in the, at the end of the movie. That that'll make people. And the whole like, thing of uh, oh. the whole thing of look. I know that they're amongst fans of a particular stripe. You know, gay panic is a stupid thing, but the whole thing of Finn and Poe, they could have ended up as a couple, wouldn't have minded at all, got no problem with it, but it was, it's uh, the desperate, that's what I'm saying, wallpapering, the introduction of two characters, both of whom I kind of liked, but the more characters you introduce, the less time you give to characters that we have been following. Finn and Poe both got reduced... It's like, we love those guys. 
we need more time with them. But if you introduce new love interests for both of them, which is just to placate people like, don't worry, the guys aren't going to end up kissing. Don't worry. Look, they both got hotties. Look, Finn's got a hottie. Poe's got a hottie. Yeah. Well, we had to spend time introducing them, and that took away time with those characters. And I don't blame, like, John Boyega for saying, dude, they they shafted my character and Mm -hmm. they shafted uh, Poe because they don't get an arc. It's like they set Finn up to be this... And then by the yeah. end, he's got his own little adventure, but it doesn't matter. And like, it, but that was that was another problem with the Last Jedi is that they they gave Ryan too much freedom because he's he's like, yeah, I'm not so interested in that character. I'm going to go do this. And so JJ is there going, damn it, because they had this he had this whole thing planned, obviously, which he tried to wrap up really quickly in the last one with Finn. But he was so also sensitive. making shit up with like, uh, I mean, it, it was him correcting what he saw as mistakes or what the. Uh, internet saw his mistakes and they're like she has to be more special we have to do something weirdly quasi romantic between these characters that it does it's not earned at all as in the weird oh don't get me started on ray kissing kylo ren i'm like fuck this noise fuck it so hard i was just like no yes and you take what johnson did And you find an organic way to wrap it up without pandering. And Palpatine is pandering. Making Rey a Palpatine is pandering. I don't mind her taking the name Skywalker at the end because that is a a tribute. But I would still rather she be the child of no one. It's like it should not be exclusive to this this, like insular little group. We're talking about a galaxy-spanning story. And it shouldn't just be about... Uh, the Skywalkers and the Palpatines. Do, 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 do. We just hate each other. It becomes yeah. like <laughs> it's the it's the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right. Is that one of them Skywalkers I see over there? Yeah, Pappy. Pappy Palpatine. It's one of them doggone it Skywalkers. It just I I want it to be a bigger yeah. universal thing where and that's what you know, and also Lucas shot himself in the, his own goddamn foot with midichlorians. The whole idea of this specialness. I'm like, no, it should be about what Obi-Wan was saying in the first movie is just and by first movie, I mean, episode four. Yes. But it's like, look, it surrounds us all. And and people can become Jedi just by focusing on the force. It is a, a life where you dedicate yourself to connecting to this life energy. Mm-hmm. Great. That's a mystical religious thing. I dig it. But then making it anything scientific, making it about cloning or making it about, it was like, dude, don't, 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 don't. And then yeah. making about two families. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, it should be like, hi, I'm uh, John Cabable. Uh, John Cabable, and it turns out I'm very force uh, sensitive. Turns out I guess I'm the last uh, hope for the force. Crazy. Uh, I just found out I'm the balance. <laughs> All right. John Cabable. <laughs> uh, you know, before this, I worked in a, a packing uh, plant. Uh, turns out I'm, um, I'm the chosen one. <laughs> okay. But it should be that universal. Like, it could be yeah, Chad sure. Smalley. Chad Smalley could be, you know, the chosen one. And I would follow you into battle <laughs> with you. a lightsaber of my the color of my choosing. 
<laughs> yes. So, so now that we're on the subject, what do what do you yep. think of the uh, of all the uh, the Disney Plus stuff that's going on? Uh, bullshit, 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 bullshit. Half, half a bullshit. No, um, no. Gen- it, it's been hit and miss, but I'd say that of the Marvel stuff too. I will say that even the misses I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. In other words, a bad Star Wars show is still none of them are embarrassing. In other words, some are like like Book of Boba Fett. I enjoyed. I was like, I don't think this was what people wanted. And I don't think it quite worked, but Mandalorian I've enjoyed very much. Yeah. Um, I liked Obi-Wan. I liked it. It wasn't what I wanted. I liked it. I was like, I I do think the little actress they cast, the little actress as young (laughs) Leia, she nailed it. Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly what I assume young Leia was like. But I was sitting there going. But doesn't this cause so many problems? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's her old pal, Ben. Why is she talking to R2-D2 in episode four about General Kenobi? Never mm-hmm. met you, but heard yeah. that you worked with my father in the Clone Wars. Yeah. I think that's kind of bullshit, too, because I've seen all the prequels. You didn't really work <laughs> with my father. But anyway, do you think you could help us? Certainly haven't met you before. Audi. And then yeah, that's the yeah. end of the message, I think. Um, yeah. They they do. There's there's one little line of dialogue they did throw in there. They try to address that at the Which end. Which is like pretend you didn't know me. Yeah, or we, something we like must that. Be careful. To, you know, yeah, I'm like, all right. Well, yeah, well. Uh, I did love the end. I did love the end yeah. where he he he. I love the fact that that model that Luke is playing with in Episode Four was a gift from Obi Wan. That's cool. And when he walks up, and the last thing he says is "Hello there," which is an Obi Wan thing that he says knew, all the yeah, time. Yeah, and we knew that was coming the whole time. He's like, "That was the Hello best part there. of that." So he was like, "Oh, here he comes. He's going to say it now." Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> That's very well played. And I, I loved uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, like oh, as protective. So- so good parents like they it wasn't just them farming they were always on the watch i love that like they were like which explains how crabby they got but i mean i'm just i love the fact that they're sitting there going we are it's like they're coming and they have like a battle plan i'm like yeah yeah go uncle owen go amperu and i I love the fact that they bring those people back i love the fact it's the same actors i'm like that's awesome and he's so i forget the actor's name he plays owen he yeah, I don't remember his name. So good. It's what the yes. best. That was my favorite thing about the whole show is that all the scenes that he was in, like the mm-hmm. scene where he confronts Obi-Wan and says, I you love don't their care relationship he's... where he's like going, you are dangerous by just being here. Yeah. You think you're protecting Luke? I'm protecting Luke. Get the fuck out of here, Jedi. And, and that was so great because that's the, the, not verbatim, obviously, but I had that scene in the back of my head, my own headcanon for decades. And there head it finally is. is a very important, I think we'll be, if we keep doing this and I'm welcome, I, I want to do this and chat with you about this nerd stuff until we both croak. But I'm just saying that headcanon, I have a feeling is a word we'll be bringing up a lot. Yes, because for people who love anything, for people who love My Little Ponies and God bless you, or or whatever it is, Steven Universe, people get you know addicted to these universes and characters and continuity, and they're constantly like figuring out how this worked, or we never got to see the story of how this happened, and this is my idea of how that happened. So yeah, I've been writing you know stories with. Superman and and uh, the Star Wars characters and Dracula and whoever in my head and sometimes on paper uh, mm-hmm. for a long time because you can't help it. If you're that invested in that world, you don't own it, but you 
you just you can't help but think about that stuff. Love it. Anyway, but yes, I agree. I I thought uh, both those actors from the prequels. I enjoyed them in the prequels. I was like, mm-hmm. I think even though they don't get a lot of screen time, they really did cast that well. They nailed yeah. a young Owen and Baru, yeah. and they fleshed out characters that have almost no screen time in four and are really just there to be the parents, the adoptive parents that are a little too hard on him, but they know why they're being hard on him is that they know that's a very special young man. Oh, mm-hmm. so I dug right. that shit. Yeah, um, it was, it was good. Yeah. So Obi-Wan in general, I did like, uh, what am I missing? Is that all of them? Oh, bad mm-hmm. batch. I mean, I loved bad batch, I thought that was uh, good. but I yeah. loved clone wars and I, yeah. I, uh, liked rebels. So mm-hmm. anytime they refer to that stuff, I cannot wait for a Sokus show. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait. And it looks good. And it looks pretty good. Yeah. Good. Here's, here's one of the things I really wish, like, again, for those listening and I can't imagine anyone's listening uh, <laughs> <laughs> or they, they're not listening this far in, but I'm just saying one of the things that sucks about you living 18 million miles away for most of our adult lives is that these movies have come out and I didn't get to see them with yourself. Like Rogue One, we fucking would have been there. We would have been watching that together. We would have seen the 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 sequel trilogy. We would have seen the prequels. I saw Phantom Menace, by the way, at Man's Chinese Theater opening night at 3.30 a.m. Uh, and Ziegfeld huge, huge line. Uh, there were local comedians, one of which I knew through my brother, who uh, picketed the uh, Star Wars line dressed as Star Trek characters, which is very funny, uh, walking around as Vulcans and holding signs. The force is a myth. <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, but then I watched the movie and left the movie at like five in the morning going, uh, I don't what? know how I feel about yeah. it. I don't know yeah. how I feel. It, was it looked kind of... really good was what oh, I yeah. kept saying. It looked really good. Yeah, that's that's pretty weak. But anyway, I, I, so I miss those experiences because it would have been fun to like uh, go to yeah. House of Pies after and sit there and eat an open faced chili burger uh, and talk about <laughs> chili size, the chili size. Yes, I, I've told people it's like I will die soon. And if people say, what was the cause of death in my 20s? I often would eat chili burgers at three in the morning <laughs> after shows. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to do it. The House of Pies chili size and and uh, chocolate shakes. Man, I miss all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, uh, yes, I'm excited for Andor, uh, though his character I liked, but he wasn't my focal point in that movie. So I was surprised that he's the one getting a series, but I'm fine with it. The trailer looks great. I'm not anti that character. I was just like, geez, I, I love the the samurai non-jedi guy more i'd rather watch a show with him yeah yeah. and his brother or friend or lover never quite figured out what their relationship was but they were my favorite parts of uh rogue one yeah so anyway i'm looking forward to that and ahsoka i mean rosario dawson is i want to put her in everything is what basically i'm getting to she's in all those great netflix yeah netflix uh marvel shows and now she's Ahsoka and that yeah. one episode where she showed up in Mandalorian and kicked all that ass. Mm-hmm. I tried to do like, I'm no scientist, but I tried to actually estimate how much ass she kicked in that episode on a just empirical. I wanted numbers. 
I, I can't count that high, Chad. She kicked too much ass to even count. Do you? Okay, wait. Do you think? Do you think that I'm, I'm jumping ahead here? But Jump when ahead. she shows up, when she shows up in the book of Boba Fett, uh, and which is essentially two episodes of the Mandalorian. Yes, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, it was so weird it. that it's like, really, Boba Fett can't sustain an entire show without having this subplot. Okay, so though I and, was happy. Dave Filoni, I think, has hinted that we're going to find out how Luke meets Ahsoka later, nice. probably in the Ahsoka series. Yeah, but, but Luke did there and seem Ahsoka to be something talking. between them? Did you pick up on that? I, there seemed I, to be some I, kind I, of... Maybe, but it did seem more like there's this intimacy because she is a direct connection to his father. Yeah, yeah. And so it is sort of like... And maybe she did... I don't know, at some point when he started his Jedi Academy, which is, wait, that's what we see. Yeah. It's him founding it. So maybe, then what did they? I'm just thinking that once he says, will I see you again? Like, Oh, yeah. You know, they seem to be kind of some kind of romantic. I don't know, because you seem to be digital. You're young young for me. And (laughs) digital. Yeah. I'm not sure I could kiss you because, you know, that would be weird with the mocap. You're right. I thought that was, I mean... The jury's out, but um, what they can do now is pretty impressive. And with deep fake, it's going to get probably even more impressive. He, yeah. The one thing I didn't like about that scene, um, those scenes, it was a surprising amount of scenes in that episode with Luke. Yeah. Um, I thought he looked great. It was a huge improvement over what what they did at the end of season two of Mandalorian, which I love. That scene is absolutely amazing. It's just, we never did get in rogue one. And in that scene, we got to see them like we didn't in all the other movies, Darth Vader and Luke just being badass fighters because Luke would walk in and like return the Jedi and he would take out a couple of guards and throw someone up against the wall. And that's impressive. He'd walk in and he'd lower the hood and I'm a badass. How you doing? But this was like full on, like you see all the stuff he learned and he's mm-hmm. wasting a fucking like military unit. I'm all about that. Yeah. And and in Rogue One, Darth Vader walking down a hallway, destroying multiple people with just sweeping his hands around and fucking lightsabering. Oh, dude. Yeah. I hate to be such a fucking nerd at 53, but I'm just oh, sitting there going, more, It's glorious. Yeah. More. It's absolutely glorious. Uh, the, the one thing I didn't like about the digital Luke is that they, <laughs> apparently they also use computer AI to regenerate his voice because it's – yeah. It's not and actually gonna, Mark Hamill talking. It's a computer talking. Yeah. Which seemed, you could kind of tell. It just it's seemed what a they've little, done with. That's what they did with Vader in his episode. That it, was good, though. That worked, I thought. Well, I it thought did. Vader's voice and uh, Obi-Wan was Because I was sitting there going, the last incredible. time I heard, you know, um, James Earl Jones actually doing it, I was like, he still got that power, but you hear the age. And I was like, oh. And then when I heard, because I didn't know what they had done. When I watched the episode, I was like, holy shit, did he suddenly get younger or better? And then I find out they just pieced it together through all mm. pre-recorded. They've just got words. They have him speaking words and they can just manipulate it. And I'm like, that's mm. nuts what they can do now. Yeah. But it did sound, it sounded so, so good. Sounded really I was good. like, so getting holy better shit. Yeah. And in the case of uh, Darth Vader, you can put anybody in that fucking suit. Darth Vader could now be in everything for all time. Darth Vader can show yeah. up in a Star Wars movie 40 years from now and will sound like James Earl Jones. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've just predicted the future of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to admit, digital Moff Tarkin was a little weird. 
Yeah, that was sort of the, the beginning of them kind of toying around with us. Like this sometimes idea. dead on, but also yeah. sometimes it's like, I don't know if it's because he's digitally reconstructed, but I was like going, that body's too big. Like <laughs> Peter Cushing is a slight dude, but th- he's standing on that bridge and someone comes up to him and is like, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. And that guy's like dwarfed. And I'm like, how is anyone yeah. shorter than Grand Moff Tarkin? Who's a slight British old man, right, literally right. skeletal. But yeah. every now and then it, it looks pretty good. So what do you, what do you think happened with Book of Boba Fett? Cause this is one of the most fascinating things to me is like, we were just coming out of two seasons of a of surprisingly, amazingly yeah. good. Surprising Star Wars is the series. word. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Boba Fett and I thought, First two episodes, pretty good. Pretty good. The second one. Third one, uh, And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, fucking, hey, there's the Mandalorian. Let's bring the Mandalorian in. And it just I mean, seems like they, they just. They have to happened? have mapped it that way. It's so I, weird. I think, I think they didn't, weirdly, I think they went softer with a Boba Fett series than they should have. In other words, I think Mandalorian is the one that has the surprising heart. But a redemption story for Boba Fett should have been if he's going to be redeemed and be actually like, I want to do a good job as the leader of whatever, blah, blah, blah. It does need to be harder. He's a harder character. And it felt soft. And and then they include like, uh, I know that Robert Rodriguez is like, yeah, well, see these this local gang. Just like with Lucas was obsessed with his, you know, stock car racing and street racing. And that's why you have all this stuff in Star Wars. I'm doing the same thing with these mods, literally mods, because they've modified their bodies. But they're also mods and they've got scooters and they're bright colors and all this. I'm like going, yeah, it's not that it's a bad idea. But again, candy colored stuff on Tatooine. Uh, Plus, they kept saying like. They're the poor kids. They're the ones of the street rats. Right, they going, can't afford water. They dress nicer and have cooler vehicles than anybody else in that town. So I'm not buying that. No. Um, so in other words, I think it it did. It just sort of. And you've got a badass Boba Fett. The the guy's back. I love that. Um, and you've got what's her name? Um, Fennec. Finnick, thank you. Uh, and she's badass, and she's shown to be a badass. But then it does become, and you introduce, why would you have someone like Jennifer Beals come in as an interesting character for like two episodes and kill her? Yeah. Blow her up. I'm there's like, a lot of that going on in the show. I know. Like, it's like, like here's just, a celebrity cameo, and they're dead. Like so, the, when the, when I'm the, anything the with uh, Timothy Oliphant, I'm down oh, for. Was he the, he's, was he the he's major the marshal. Oh, the marshal. That's right. Yes, yes. God, he was. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, but then they, um, you know, pretty much killed, killed him. Well, apparently, he's still alive at the end. He's oh, in good. the, yes, he's yes. in the back. But you know, yeah. they brought in Cad Bane in live action. That was awesome. That was great. I wish they hadn't waited so long to do that. That's um, true. I think that's the thing. I would have rather have seen kind of a more adult uh, mob like because that's what it was kind of touted as because he's yeah. heading a crime family. I was like, make this bloodier. And it's not that I'm bloodthirsty. It's just make the show fit the character, mm-hmm. have him earn his redemption by uh really violent means. And mm-hmm. then it should have ended with him like getting that throne. You know, in other words, that mm-hmm. should have been the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that he wasn't shown doing badass stuff. I was just like going, okay, now he has a Rangor, be- uh, Rancor beast as a pet. Okay. I was just like, 
they, yeah, they they didn't really lean hard enough into all, all these really cool ideas. Like when the when the yeah. two the twin the twin uh, huts show up in the yeah. second episode, yeah. I'm like, of course, this yes. is brilliant. Black Rosantins are bodyguards. Like this is great. I and know. I thought, oh, this is getting good. And then they come to episode three, and they're like, nah, f- never mind. <laughs> Tattooing I mean, sucks. I certainly, I <laughs> certainly didn't mind uh, a continuation of the Grogu mandalorian story and then you're throwing in luke and ahsoka i was like well why didn't you just put this in season three of mandalorian yeah why why is this here in boba fett i know that the guy who plays boba fett is not the best actor i mean he was cast to be just like the badass guy and all the clone soldiers will talk like me because um great but he did a fine enough job. It's just yeah, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, the show was weak sauce, and in yeah. the end, it was weaker than it needed to be. I mean, getting into touching on the headcanner thing too is that was one of the things that made it frustrating. I think for everybody who was looking forward to this is that they weren't quite doing all the things we thought for sure that they would do, especially yeah. with the setup where we see him taking over Jabba's throne. It's like that's perfect because that's his that's his life before he falls into the pit. That's yeah. what he's doing. He's working for Jabba, and so. I, I, and I liked the, the Tuscan stuff too. But that yeah, was another thing too. Is that. like we get we get to really know these characters, and then they all die, and we never see you them mean again. Dances with wolves. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, um, I don't the, care uh, because it was so well done, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know him like constructing his own gaffa stick. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Gaffy uh, gaffa something. Yeah, and and uh, all that is is great. I like finding out backstory and we're we're seeing what happened that did give us what we wanted what happened him post getting chucked out of the sarlacc pit you know that is mm-hmm. uh what happened that uh, and him having to spend all that time in the the back to tank and all that stuff great having yeah. flashbacks that is fine structure but mm-hmm. i do like you when i was watching it it was me going why are we going here now yeah what does this <laughs> have to do with anything and he, he alludes too to to uh, to uh, uh, Bib Fortunate Fortuna double crossing him somehow. Yeah. We never yeah. find out what that no. was. And and uh, and also, I think just like you were just saying, is that there are things that you would love to see that happen so quickly that they don't give enough time. Like there's also kind of a redemption arc, or at least I have saved you, uh, evil bounty hunter Wookie, and now maybe you'll be a ally a good friend and i'm like yeah in one episode i'm like mm-hmm. wouldn't it have been better if there had been some lasting feud and many a, a battle like an arch nemesis that it wins his respect or whatever i mean an awesome character he's mm-hmm. awesome to look at and i know he is from uh is he from one of the games that i've never played i think that's where he started that character Black yeah I think oh, he I started I in one of the Obi Wan comics, or the no, the Star Wars comics is where I first saw him. Oh, okay, so maybe the comics, but then one of the games mm. Jerry has played all those games. Mm. I've, I've, oh really? I, uh, yeah, I played Knights of the Old Republic back in the day, and yeah, uh, me too. Uh, and that was great. And I have Jedi Fallen Order, which is the most recent one they did, but um, I didn't get too far into it because I'm not good at games. <laughs> Yeah. In other words, it's like, oh, God, I'm terrible at dodging. Oh, no, I'm dead. It's like, yeah. okay, well, I've lasted an hour in the game. I've gotten to one stop on the, the storyline, and I'm like, and I suck at this. I'll yeah. probably pick it up again. So I, I do 
wish it had been better. That was mm-hmm. a disappointment. But Mandalorian, like you called it, I didn't I didn't have high expectations and it just blew me away. Yeah. It just yeah. blew me away. The idea of a baby Yoda, I was like, no, please, God. But and I was thinking about, oh, was it you uh, were you in on the fan theories for a long time? One of the fan theories was that is actually Yoda because he says in one thing, one of the one of the sequel trilogy, he says something about one of the pa- or no, it was in Clone Wars. One of the ultimate ascended Jedi things is learning a mastery over time as well. Oh. And so there was a fan theory about he had reincarnated himself. And then 50, I'm like, well, 50 years but, before he died. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that doesn't quite work guys. I like it, but this is just Grogu and he's adorable. And, um, he, he made Werner Herzog's heart melt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that interview is like going, they brought it in. They showed me the puppet. And I said, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> and they were saying they were going to replace him digitally. I said, no, yeah. you must always keep it. The puppet for the heart is in this puppet. It is. I cherish him. I'm like, thank you, Vern Herzog. Okay, Vern. <laughs> I'm glad that my friend Klaus Kinski is dead. Otherwise, I am sure he would have torn it limb from limb with his teeth. (laughs) I'm just saying Klaus was a crazy bastard. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yes, we are in agreement on the good shows, the not so good shows, and we just have to see what happens next. I'm trusting of Dave Filoni and, of course, also uh, John Favreau. I just think they they get it, just like we were talking Mm. about with Donner and Superman. It's like um, Lucas did lose touch or he got so up his own lore's ass and forgot how to be a storyteller. And that's okay. His ideas remain awesome, but the way he did them, he just forgot how to tell a fucking story. Do you, do you think uh, this, I know this has been talked a lot about too, but it seems like, especially when he was doing the first two movies that he was leaning very heavily on other people to get things done. And yeah. there were a lot of people around him going, maybe you shouldn't have C-3PO have the voice of a used car salesman or, or, or like his wife. Yeah. That, that scene, that, that scene where, where uh, Obi-Wan is telling Luke about the force and they watch the recording of Leia, the original flow of that didn't work. It was weird and clunky and, and ill-paced. Have you, have you gone and see this, the, the editing how that, that whole no, scene was kind of switched I, I do around? I the, the, that book, the day by day of the making of, yeah. Uh, of the first movie. So, I, I mean, I know how close that movie got to not working. It could have been horrible. If, it could have been you horrible. Know. And then, and then, of course, with uh, with Empire Strikes Back, where he gave it to Irving Kirshner, and, but then Irving was going off and doing things that Luke, Lucas didn't want him to do, but he had to let him do it because that was Irving's condition of taking the job in the first place. But it, uh, so in, I, in, I, think, in, I think they're all lucky accidents that worked out. Um but I think Lucas, the it is a thing where he needs and has needed for years voices unafraid to say this doesn't work. And I think Dave Filoni was that voice for him on Clone Wars because they worked really closely on that. Mm-hmm. It's like I kind of wish. Maybe I think Dave Filoni Dave still did it George very respectfully. Continued. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think that that he it, it's different than like say uh, being friends with. Um, um, uh, Paul Schrader, who's sitting there going, George, this is bullshit. 
I mean, the whole thing is like, I watched the rough cut. He goes, I don't know what the fuck this thing is. <laughs> and he's like going, you need to explain it to people. And it's Paul Schrader going, look, just and on a napkin, like you need to open it with like some explanation. And the, the opening scrawl, the opening crawl is because like he, he had friends uh, like Schrader and of course Spielberg, who was always, he was the more positive, but you had, you know, Coppola, he had these buddies who weren't going to baby you around him. They would just go, that doesn't work. This is nonsense. Yeah, exactly. This. And then when you become a multi-billionaire and you're doing your prequels, not a single person is going, George, these are great ideas. But look, here's the problem with your script for Phantom Menace. You have to have a central character. You yeah. need a central character. You can't keep bouncing around. Is this a Qui-Gon Jinn story? Is it Obi-Wan's or is it young Anakin's? You also need someone to sit there and go, uh, George, this humor you've written in doesn't work. It's not funny. This character doesn't work. You also need someone to go, that is not a good child actor. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. He is blonde mm -hmm. and cute, and he looks like what a young Anakin Skywalker would look like, but he's not a good child actor. Yeah. So you just need yeah. a people that's like say, George, with all due respect, um, this can be better. Yeah. And and it will be what people want if you fix some shit. Right. You know, the second Anakin goes, woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Yippee. Yippee. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out, man. Yeah. Sorry. But it, it makes me sad thinking about And I was one of these fans who was, you know, happy when when Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney. I was like, ooh, this bodes well. And The Force Awakens came out. I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, but now I'm thinking back and thinking about the connection that he had with Filoni and like a lot of the Clone Wars stuff is really now, I think, becoming more, much more appreciated than it was when the show was out. Dude, you know? it makes me sad. Thing. Here's the thing. I didn't watch it. I, I didn't, didn't watch, watch that show. And yeah. it, it was, I, it takes a little while for me to accept something as being canonical when it's done in this cartoony 3D CG form. Um, and I, so I was like, just visually, I can't look at this and believe this is the same universe that I care about. Mm -hmm. Then I watched a few episodes, I think pre pandemic, but I was just kicking in. The pandemic was very helpful for me because I was like, well, it was very helpful for me. I love the pandemic said Brendan Jones. That's a terrible <laughs> quote. Um, but it was, I was able to watch the entirety of that series and was like, holy shit, this was some of the best star Wars storytelling I've ever seen. Uh, and it makes sense and kids can enjoy it and adults can enjoy it. And then rebels wasn't quite as good, but it was still good. And I was just sitting there going, I am impressed. Mr. Filoni. Mm -hmm. um, he yeah. should be given the reins. Well, he is doing the Ahsoka show now, right? I know, that, but I think they should just let him guide the entire universe. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I agree. Cause he knows all of it. Uh, he yeah. just knows all of it and gets it. And I just wish, I mean, maybe it's too late for George. I just kind of wish they could bring him, bring he's, him back. He's going to be a figurehead forever. Yeah. And, and I think, oh, you know, Filoni's calling him. He's yeah. like going, oh, yeah. I had yeah, an yeah. idea for this. What do you think? And I'm sure that he still gets input. Mm -hmm. But you just have the, the creator is now the man of leisure that sits there on his ranch going, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I like where you're going with that, Dave. Uh, I'm taking a call about Willow now. I need to, need to go, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And by the yeah. way, Willow looks pretty good. Is there, is there a Willow? A Willow sequel? Willow okay. series. This was this is breaking news for me. 
Oh, okay. oh, uh, it's a Willow series that is going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, wow. uh, and they just debuted the trailer, and it looks great. No shit. And you've, you've got uh, what's his name back. Um, mm-hmm. So it's Willow original. Um, you've got the brownie guys, same guys now older, but they're just like, and of course the effects are much better, but they're like, Willow, my friend, ah, and they're back. And now you have like, uh, Mad Mardigan and what's her name's daughter is joining. It's another like world. We need your magic. We need your help. And even you've got, um, Joanne Wally back, uh, playing the mother of the character. So, Sadly, not Val Kilmer back as Mad Martigan, but but uh, uh, so it's it's all the old hands and it looks great. It's a sequel wow. series. Yeah, it looks awesome. Cool. OK, yeah, this was just that. announced like um, like because they just did their big D23, the big Disney reveal where they yeah. announced all the Marvel movies coming up. And yeah, Willow series is is coming and I I can't wait. Yeah. Um, and probably George was, uh, you know, probably looped in as far as like. Hey, you want to sign off on this? Yeah, I don't know, dude, that sounds good. That's my that's my. <laughs> you make him voice. sound like Kermit the Frog. Well, he is. He does have a weird little voice. Mm. Uh, I try to imagine him directing because it's probably like um, hey, uh, stormtroopers. <laughs> um, can I get the hey stormtroopers? Sorry, can I get the megaphone? Stormtroopers. <laughs> hey, can I get you guys to walk around? Uh, like idiots. Great, thank you. <laughs> yeah um yeah. yeah but but uh oh did i tell you i saw him once in the wild like mm-hmm. out in the world no when, when was this when i lived in la uh most of my celebrity run-in stories are when i lived in la and i was at the grove which is this fancy shopping center has a movie theater and i was seeing children of men which was great by the way um seeing children of men and by myself that afternoon just sat on they like, got these couches in the lobby and while I'm sitting there, I was like, holy shit. I looked to my right and the couple that are sitting next to me are George Lucas and his wife. And oh, they're wow. on the same couch. And I'm like, <clears throat> not going to bother them. Not going to freak out. And I'm just sitting there going, holy shit. And then while I'm sitting there, just like <laughs> eavesdropping a little bit, not too bad. But then uh, Bryce Dallas Howard comes over and she's like, George. And he's like. <sighs> Bryce, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and and she's pregnant at the time. And I'm like, Bryce Dallas Howard. And I'm like, big crush. Anyway, so I'm like, don't, don't embarrass yourself. Just <laughs> I'm just a person. And it's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Where's your husband? Oh, he's just getting the popcorn. Okay, great. What are you guys seeing? Children of men. I was like, oh, they're going to see the same movie. And then and then George goes, Oh, and where's your dad? And she's like, Oh, he's gonna be here any minute. And then fucking Ron Howard shows up in a baseball cap. I'm serious. And I'm just sitting here and they are talking as they would. They all know each other. Like, just like pals, like, oh, how's your summer going? Oh, great. And and I'm just like, Ron Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, George Lucas, George Lucas's wife. Sorry, don't know your name. And I'm just sitting there going, fuck. And so, of course, when the when they started going in the theater, I. I just sort of surreptitiously followed. Th- this was not an assigned seat theater, so uh, I just made sure I was in the row right behind. <laughs> I mean, all it meant was we all watched the same movie at the same time, yeah, yeah. and I sat behind them, going, "Oh, hey, that's George Lucas, yeah. that's Ron Howard, oh, that's, that's Ron Howard." And I was like, 
and the movie was great. And then I walked That's... out and they're like, oh, it was really good. Okay, see you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> they said that to me because by then we were very good friends. Of course. Yeah. I, I, in was... the movie, I kept, it wasn't a comedy. So I would have to do things like, oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I disturb you? Brendan Jones. <laughs> Brendan Jones. Nice to yeah, meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Watch uh, out, Clive Owen. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I disturbing you? Hi, Brendan <laughs> Jones. Nice to meet you. No, I didn't do any of that. Uh, but it was uh, it was one of those weird encounters. I didn't say a word. Didn't bother them. I just was like, that's cool. They're just people going to see a movie. But that's, that man created something in just unbelievably important to me. That's It'd be like it if I had that's ever beautiful. met Siegel or Schuster. I mean, it just would have been like, dude, you're just a guy. But yeah. I'm sorry. you What you did, I... Oof. That's kind of like I almost met David Byrne. It was kind of a similar situation where I was just like, you did, you, "Wait, wh- but I, I, I can't." Unfortunately, I have to tell the story next week because. Yeah, I know. We should wrap up. <laughs> oh, and Brendan, do you have any uh, Twitter website kind of stuff? No, uh, no. I have We're- very little web presence. No, but here in Portland, it, uh, we do a live show monthly called the Tesla City Stories. Um, and so we're at plugs, this is plugs and you can go to teslacitystories.com to find our dates, uh, and buy tickets. And that is well worth, it is 1940s, uh, radio shows done live on stage. So that's awesome. And if you are of a mind to look up an over 10 year old graphic novel, my graphic novel, Breakfast of the Gods, which is about the serial characters involved in a huge Watchmen-esque battle, is still available on print on demand at um, Indie Planet. Um, And you can buy the full graphic novel and I get a little chunk of change from that. So just Google Breakfast of the Gods or this complete Breakfast of the Gods and uh, keep me fed. I will have the links in the, in the in the doobly doo or whatever they call it in the doodly doo yeah oh that's the thing I love about a Chad Smalley because he always puts the links in the doodly doo <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that phrase from the from Hank Hank uh what's his name Green Hank Green oh Hank, yes the uh, okay. VLI brothers what they call don't don't let on because he'll want some money for it yeah <laughs> um and Chad people can find you at blaggards blaggards dot com yes and uh, everywhere else blaggards flavored. Mm. So, um, so you've heard us babble, and uh, we will babble more. Let's do yeah, this next week. Like we said, we've got thirty years to catch up. <laughs> Holy shit! We still haven't <laughs> talked about the birth of your children. We'll get to that next uh, well, week. What? <laughs> <laughs>